Over at the Never Heard of It podcast, we've spent the last four years criticizing people's films and talking about how they could have made them better. Well, you know what? Now it's time to put your money where our mouth is. That's right. The Never Heard of It podcast and Night Shift Radio are making a movie. We are making a brand new sci-fi thriller called Somnium. Somnium is the tale of a brand new app, something kind of like TikTok, where people are able to watch others' dreams, everyone's dreams, anonymously across the world. However, our main character, Adam, starts to see dreams that look all too familiar, including dreams of somebody murdering him. So the question is, who is dreaming of murdering Adam? That's the question we look to answer in our brand new film, Somnium, but we need your help. We need your help in funding so we can pay the amazing crew and the amazing cast of this brand new film. Head to nightshiftradio.com somnium. Donate what you can, and if you can't, share with 100,000 of your closest friends. Someone out there is going to be a rich weirdo that's going to want to fund this film. So again, nightshiftradio.com somnium. Thank you so much, guys. We look forward to making this movie just for you. You're listening to Fight Jokes About Everything, the Night Shift Radio original. For more information, visit nightshiftradio.com, and thanks for subscribing. All right, we are here talking about Wonder Woman 1984. A brand new movie just came out in both theaters and debuted on HBO Max. This is one of the first films to do this uh, uh, because of coronavirus and quarantine uh, shutdowns. But this one just came out uh, on HBO Max. It's the dual uh, release. Now, Tenet kind of did this a little bit. Um, Tenet, you know, came out in theaters for like a week and then it was available a little bit uh, while later. There was a few other movies. Mulan was another uh, great example. But this this is going to kind of be the trend for the next, I would would say six to 12 months because of a uh, worldwide pandemic thing. Um, but so Wonder Woman 1984, this was another one of those films that got pushed back and pushed back. It originally had plan- been planned to debut earlier this year, but because of coronavirus shutdowns and other things, they kept pushing it back. And finally, they're just like, nah, F it. Let's just release it on Christmas Day 2020. We'll just round out the year with this uh, brand new movie. This is the sequel to Wonder Woman. Uh, this is uh, still within the the DCU, uh, the DCEU, but it is uh, it does take place uh, does take place in 1984, hence the title World War uh, uh, Wonder Woman 1984. Oh, that was a little slip of a spoiler, um, but so we're going to talk about this movie. I'm going to completely spoil it. So warning right now: if you have not watched this movie. Um, uh, do not listen to the rest if you are not okay with spoilers. If you are okay with spoilers, we're going to talk about it. And if you've already seen it, then you know what's up. So Wonder Woman 1984 takes place after uh, Wonder Woman uh, and her her uh, boyfriend there, played by Chris Pine, Steve Trevor, um, Chris Pine. Uh, this is after Steve Trevor dies in in the first Wonder Woman, but this is well before um, the Justice League. So this is this is you know kind of before Bruce Wayne. Like Bruce Wayne is still a young child at this point. Like he's he's you know maybe ten at this point. So we I don't know if he's necessarily lost his parents yet, but it's probably very soon um, in in this world in this movie world. So. So we see that that Diana Prince is, you know, she she works in the archaeologist department. You know, she kind of lives a very solitary life. Um, and uh, but our, our opening scene, um, we we get a flashback to Themyscira where we see young um, young Diana Prince, young Diana, um, basically taking place in in a, a a gauntlet of sorts. So it's a race. So she's involved with it, and you know she's running through the race, and she's racing against people that are that are grown. These are grown Amazonians, and she's racing against them as a little kid. Um, 
you know, and she's going through the whole thing and she's starting to win and she does really good, but she kind of gets cocky and, you know, she's riding on her horse and she's turning back to like laugh at, you know, or to like look at and, and, uh, see the people that are behind her. And she ends up getting smacked by a tree, falling off her horse, you know, the whole spiel, this puts her behind. And then she notices there's like a little secret path that she can take where she like slides down and basically she's cheating. She's, she's, you know, cutting corners and, and getting around on the whole idea of like, you know, well, this is the easy way. It may not be the right way, but it's the easy way to get to victory. So just as she's about to get victory, you know, we see, um, not the queen, but her, um, uh, trainer, Robin, uh, Robin Wright, uh, uh, just kind of grab her and like, no, like you were cheating. This is not the way, like, we don't do this. Like you don't understand you have great power, but like you need to do things the right way. So this was, this was kind of like our, our setup for what the theme of the movie is, you know, no shortcuts, you know, take it right away. So now we cut ahead and we see that there is uh, we're in, we're in 1984, which, I like that they're going through the history, you know, Patty Jenkins uh, does a really good job of seeing, we see Wonder Woman in, in World War One. that's that's the beginning of um, Wonder Woman, where we first kind of see her in, in the rest of the world, and now we've jumped ahead, you know, 70 years or whatever, 60 years to um uh to to 1984 we see that she's established she she's you know archaeologist on the whole spiel um and uh, we see at a mall a bunch of uh people are basically robbing a jewelry store but when they get to the jewelry store they kind of make this reference of like no 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 we want the real uh uh, stuff, not this, these gems in the front, like the stuff you're actually here for. So we get the hint that this place is, you know, kind of a, a black market dealing on the side. And we look in the back and we see that it's a whole bunch of artifacts. And, uh, it, it, you know, they grab a bunch of them. We do notice that one in particular, um, it's basically like a, a, crystal wrapped around a giant gold ring and stone and stuff like that and that's kind of what it seems like everyone's after long story short wonder woman comes in we kind of see a few powers you know we see that she's she's still super cool this is very reminiscent of the bank scene um in justice league uh it, it literally is no different there is there is very much like the same sort of sense and we do get a lot of parallels and this is kind of one of my complaints of this movie is that uh, they take a lot of the scenes we see in Justice League and they take a lot of the scenes that we see in Wonder Woman and they kind of do them again. So it's just, you know, hey, remember when I, you know, ran through the battlefield and all the bullets were going? Well, hey, I'm going to do it again, but this time on a road. So it, it, a lot of it kind of felt recycled and that was kind of frustrating um, to to see that kind of stuff because you, you want a new adventure. You want to see growth in the character. And I get that, like you're not going to add a new power every time like that. You can't do that. Although that being said, they absolutely do that twice over uh, on this. But you know, the idea of like every time you see a character, they add something more, whether it's a, um, a new power, a new costume, a new weapon or whatever, you know, Batman's a great example. In every movie, he has some new bat gadget that kind of, you know, makes him more interesting or his suit's been upgraded and looks cooler. or The Batmobile looks different. You know, it's all, everything's a thing. Um, but, but with this, so 
So after all this happens, you know, she fights all the people and saves the day. And, you know, the FBI uh, basically confiscates all the things when they find out that this place is a front and they they're, you know, going through. And what they do is they enlist this person um, who is played by Kristen Wiig. So this is Barbara Minerva. So for those of you familiar, um, Barbara Minerva um, is a comic book character. She she eventually um, becomes Cheetah. Um, I think I might be completely wrong. I'm not that familiar with uh, DC characters because oh, they're not names are a little rough. Um, but anyway, so, uh, so, so Barbara Minerva is, is a gemologist among other things. And so she's been, uh, hired by the FBI to basically figure out, um, what all these things are like, why did these people want them? And one of the items she noticed is this crystal and she sees on the crystal, you know, she, she's, uh, oh, also I want to point out, she has this very, like, um, if you have, uh, if you remember uh, Michelle Pfeiffer in Batman Forever, uh, Selena Kyle before she becomes Catwoman, like it is very much the same. She's awkward, you know. She's got her glasses and her frumpy outfits and the whole spiel, and her hair's always a mess, and she's always knocking things over, you know. And she's like, "Oh no, me, well, you know." And that's that's her character in the beginning of this Barbara Minerva, you know. She she you know talks to Diana and Diana's nice to her. She helped, you know, she picks up her stuff and immediately she's like, oh my God, we should be best friends. Let's go out to lunch and bar. And Diana's like, uh, no, maybe another time because you're awkward and weird. And, you know, we learned that she's kind of very solitaire. She's still, she's still pining after Chris Pine. She's pining after Chris Pine. That's funny. Uh, but she's, she's still, we, we could tell that she very much feels the loss of, of Steve Trevor. Um, you know, there's a scene where Diana's outside and she looks up and there's a plane uh, flying and she just kind of longingly looks at the plane because, you know, Steve Trevor was a pilot and that was the last time she saw him was he was flying up in a plane, uh, blowing up a bomb. So we get, you know, even though it's been some time that she very much is like, you know, she, she misses her long lost love, you know, which is, which is fine. That's acceptable. Uh, do that, feel your feelings. Um, so, so anyways, we, so we got Barbara and, you know, she's there looking after the thing and Diana decides to go down and kind of take a look and they both kind of see this, this crystal stone and they see that on it, it says like, Hey, you know, whoever hold, you know, uh, Diana, uh, starts reading it because she can read a bunch of languages and it says like, hold this in your hand and your wish will be granted. So, you know, uh, um, she holds it and, you know, they were like, oh, well, what would you wish for? And she was like, hmm, well, I know what I would wish for. And then we see a little gust of wind and it's left at that. And then we get a flashback to or a cut to Diana's apartment. We see Steve Trevor's watch and it's do, 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 do. And, you know, of course, uh, Barbara Minerva being um, awkward and nobody really notices her like the person she interviewed with to get this job like a million times completely forgot that who she was. Um, you know, so like we see that she's, she's that forgotten person. And this leads to another issue I have with not only this movie, but tons of other movies do this. And this is the whole idea that, that people who are, who are shut out, ignored, nerdy, socially awkward people will become bad guys. And it's very frustrating because like Barbara Minerva's, motivation becomes, you know, she wishes to be strong like, you know, Diana and and fierce and stuff like that. She ends up starting to get stronger and more agile and stuff like that. And, and the whole idea is that, 
you know, she she just gravitates towards like, well, I'll do anything I can to keep this power and you can't take this away from me. And now people are going to listen and rah. And it's like, that's really frustrating because it paints people who are maybe more introverted or socially awkward as as potential bombs that are about to go off. And and that sucks. That really sucks for people that are like that, that are introverted and, and kind of have that sort of personality. And that's not how it is. You know, that's not how it is. And sure, that may happen, you know, but conversely, we get uh, Robert Rodriguez or uh, Pedro Pascal's character, Maxwell Lord, who is super outgoing. He's a con man. He's a salesperson. He works for the oil industry and he's the complete opposite. And he's even worse of, of a bad guy. And that's the thing is like anybody has the propensity to be evil. It, it doesn't matter that you're socially awkward or if you're insanely charismatic you could potentially be an evil person. And that's, I think, something we need to push more towards and less of this stereotype of like the awkward uh, introvert is is going to end up, you know, shooting up a building or something like that because that's that's not what it's at. There's other signs and there's other personality traits we need to look for and not those because that's not the case. Uh, but anyways, so long movie short. Um Diana obviously wishes for uh, Steve Trevor to come back to life. He ends up doing so in the body of somebody else. So he looks like this person, but it's it's him inside of it. And there's this touching moment where he's like, Diana, uh, I wish we had more time. And he says the thing that only she would know he would say. And she's like, oh, my God, it's Steve Trevor. And, and the rest of the movie, we, we see him as Steve Trevor, which, again, is also fine. I, I understand that idea. Um, anime does this very often, uh, where they will um, they will show you things uh, in a way that you're like, oh, I know that it's actually this, but I, I see it as this, just so you can like remind me that this is this person. You know, uh, uh, Doctor Who does a really good job of this, where everybody speaks English, and they'll every so often be like, oh, well, that's because the TARDIS makes it so you can understand every language and uh, everyone else understand you speak whatever language people want to hear. It's a subconscious thing. I um, mean, it's a really great way of getting around the complexities of like, of, of like language barriers or cultural shifts or things like that. I, I get it. It's very, it's a very useful uh, common film thing. Uh, and I'm okay with that. Um, outside of that, like I said, there was a lot of parallels in the action scenes of this to the scenes we've already seen Diana do. Um, you know, there's, uh, my biggest complaint is some of them weren't great. I mean, this movie had almost an action, an entire year, uh, left to cook. And some of the action, uh, not the actual action itself, but the effects in the action were a little like, this is what we went with. Um, like there's a few moments where, you know, Diana does some things and they, they seem like, even though it's like, you know, mostly her, it's obviously, you know, CGI. There were a few moments where I was like, this is, this looks a little stiff. Like she's supposed to be this amazing warrior and she's just kind of like stiff and awkward sometimes in those big fight scenes, as opposed to like the fluid motions we saw in the first movie and in Justice League. Um, so it was kind of upsetting. Uh, I'm not going to lie. So the big theme of this is that Maxwell Lord knows about this rock. He schmoozes uh, Barbara Minerva into um, giving him the rock and he grabs it and he says, I wish I was the uh, this this thing, this wish giver. He basically becomes a genie. So basically when he touches someone he if they make a wish 
he'll grant the wish, but he can take something in return. So it's kind of that whole monkey paw theme. And that's, you know, a very common theme in these sort of wishing uh, scenarios, these sort of magic scenarios. And of course, you know, uh, Diana and Steve eventually find out that this is, um, you know, it was crafted by a trickster god who basically is like, sure, I'll give you the whatever you wish for, but I'm going to take something in return. And one of the things we learn is that Diana wishes for, for Steve Trevor to return, but in return, um, her powers start to go away. So like, you know, she gets shot by a bullet and it hurts her and she's bleeding and she's not as strong and she's not as fast. And and that's kind of the, the cost of, of having Steve Trevor. And in the end, you know, Steve's like, hey, you got to let me go. Um, and I'm not going to lie, the, the whole letting go of Steve Trevor, um, it kind of, um, it, it, it went about with, with a very little amount of fanfare, which I thought maybe was kind of, um, which was kind of unfortunate because I feel like him coming back should have been a big deal. Like, oh my God, this is crazy. Like they just have this one night together and then like everything's just back to normal and they're just off doing a thing you know but like she's she hasn't seen him in in 50 60 years like this should be a really big deal like this is the love of her life right so it should be a huge deal that he is back and that the you know she's been she's literally been you know thinking of him every day for for decades and it just it just kind of runs right in and it's it feels kind of weird you know and it's 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 kind of frustrating but Anyways, uh, the, uh, and him leaving when she's like, okay, fine. Like I renounce my wish, you know, Steve, you know, go back. She just kind of is like, okay, go back. And now I'm going to go off and, you know, be a hero. And I, and, and that's great. But like, I don't know. I felt like there should have been more fanfare with that as well. Now going to the overall arching plot, uh, what we learn is that every time someone makes a wish using Maxwell, he touches them and they make a wish is that he, he gains some sort of financial gain, uh, out of it. So he's like, fine, I'll grant you, you know, Hey, you really wish that, uh, this company would be super successful. Cool. Well, I'm going to do that. But in return, I'm going to take all your stock. Um, so he ends up being super wealthy and then he goes to governments and he's like, Hey, what do you want? And they're like, Oh, well I want this. And he's like, great. Well, in return, I'm going to get this thing from you. And it eventually starts sowing chaos across the world. And eventually he, you, and this is really kind of shaky. He uses some sort of satellite uh, that was part of the Star Wars program that allows everybody in the world to hear his voice and make a wish. And it's kind of like they're touching him so he can take things because that's the other thing is like every time somebody uh, makes a wish um, with him, like he starts getting sicker, like his body is just getting worn, worn down. Like we see him bloodshot, his nose is bleeding, the whole spiel. And, um, I don't know. It was kind of weak. It's kind of a weak story. And eventually he gets paired up with Barbara, uh, who was like, you know, Hey, I, I wish to be, you know, super fast and strong. And she turns into cheetah woman and, uh, you know, her and Diana have it out. And it's just, honestly, the whole film could have been just about cheetah, and it would have been so much better. Surprisingly, Kristen Wiig is really good in this. She, We know she can play the awkward girl. You know, we know that she can do that. But when she turns into like sexy, charismatic, you know, Kristen Wiig, I use that term loosely because, you know, uh, it's just, it's how they're portraying her. Um, you know, and I mean, Kristen Wiig is great. Not a knock on her. I'm just talking about the idea of like, if you're awkward, then you're not sexy. And then you have to look a certain way to do that. And that's stupid because people look sexy in all different ways. Um 
so we see charismatic Kristen Wiig and it's great. And and I love the fact that she gets to play this character. We get to see her in this action role. The fight scene with her and Diana um, in the White House before she's like fully cheetah is a great scene. I actually liked seeing Kristen Wiig doing action. I mean, everybody knows her as funny lady. She's SNL fame and all that. And I'm totally for it. Uh, I think she should do more films like this. I think she should do more, you know, serious action films and maybe not tons, but I think she should add it into her repertoire. I mean, we've seen her in, in very good dramatic roles. Skeleton Twins is a really great one. Um, if you haven't watched it, definitely watch that. Um, uh, she, there's a lot of great movies that Kristen Wiig has done that is that has been dramatic. Um, but I think this is nice. It's showing that she's she's capable of doing more than just you know, quirky female girl, whether it's silly or dramatic, she always kind of plays the quirky girl. Um, we can see that she can do above that. So I think she should get more roles like that. So kudos to Kristen Wiig, probably the best part of this whole movie um, and definitely underutilized. So the big thing is it, now that everybody in the world is getting what they wish, it, a lot of crazy things are happening. So the whole, you know, every some countries like, oh, we wish we had more nuclear weapons. And then another country is like, oh, shit, the United States has more nuclear weapons. We should launch our nuclear weapons. And then America's like, well, fuck, now we got to launch our weapons and so on and so forth. And it just becomes this big ordeal. And it made me think about the marketing of this movie is, uh, you know, it's Wonder Woman 1984, but it was marketed as WW84. And the world literally does go to war. It just be it just becomes absolute chaos and anarchy across the entire world. So the world the whole idea of like World Woman eighty four or, or World War eighty four kind of plays in. So it was very smart, subtle marketing uh, on their end. So in the very end of the movie, you know, it's it's Pedro Pascal and he's you know giving the wishes to all the people, and Diana's there after fighting cheetah in her cool you know gold armor which you saw in the trailer which again is kind of another really weird thing they talk about this character um that uh i, I forgot what her name is um uh but you know the, the this other character had it and she held off america or, or the, the humans so that the amazonians could go into hiding in themiscara and she's like now i'm gonna use this and that's what she ended up using um it and it was, it's fine, but it's whatever. So, uh, so she uses that and it's great and everything's fine. And she, finally she, you know, uses her lasso of truth on, uh, Pedro Pascal, uh, and, and eventually causes him to renounce his wish. She, she asks everybody to renounce their wishes, uh, through him. She shows them the truth of like, what is, you know, what is the cost of you doing this? Like, look at the world. Everybody is about to die because we're about to have a nuclear Holocaust. Um, but the thing is, is like, we spent the first 10 minutes of the movie talking about not taking shortcuts and how everything, you know, you do things the right way. And it's a subtle, it was kind of like, a, hey, we're going to introduce this theme and then we're going to ramp it up, you know, in the end, we're going to wrap it up with, with that theme. But it was so loose and vague that like, unless you really pondered on it, then you'd be like, oh, the lesson she learned back in that day about not taking shortcuts. But this, I don't know, it, it it didn't connect for me. And the unfortunate part is, is like both messages would have been fine had they both been fleshed out a little more. Um, the fact that they, they brought up the whole shortcut scene, but the way the movie ends with everything made the shortcut seem not relevant. Like the, the scene seemed wasted, you know, because it wasn't like a, 
you know, you can't take shortcuts. Like, I think it all should have, I don't think it should have planned out the same way and they just should have brought it up and been like, no shortcuts, get it? You can't just wish everything away. I wish that the plot had worked out more where shortcuts were a thing. It just seemed disconnected. Um, and it's kind of unfortunate. Um, now, after everything said and done, you know, uh, I do want to say that this movie is still fun. You should absolutely watch it. It is fun, especially if you have HBO Max. Do not go to the theater to see it unless you live in New Zealand and then, of course, go to the theaters because, you know, you have no COVID. Um, but everywhere else in the world, don't go see this movie uh, in the theater. Please watch it on HBO Max if you're uh, able to or rent it if it's available renting. Um it's still a fun movie. There's still some cool things to it. You know, at the end, we get a really cool cameo um, uh, by Linda Carter uh, playing another Amazonian. And, you know, she's just kind of walking the world. So that implies that at some point, maybe we'll see, you know, two Amazonians out in the world. And it was really cool. Linda Carter, of course, played Wonder Woman on the uh, 80s, uh, 70s and 80s TV series. 70s and 80s? Maybe it was then. Could have been longer. But it was it was cute. I liked it. It was a fun little nod to those of us that remember Linda Carter as Wonder Woman. Um, all in all, like I said, I think they should have worked on the special effects a little more. I would have loved to see more scenarios of, uh, of Wonder Woman in better action instead of, uh, instead of mirroring the action scenes or, or reminiscing on the scenes that we had seen before. I would have rather seen other things, uh, in the end too, she learns the lesson of flying. The flying was a little rough. Um, but we did also get a cameo on the invisible plane, um, which was nice, um, so I don't know, uh, check it out if you're interested. Uh, but I still say if you're a fan of Wonder Woman or, uh, DC films in general, you should absolutely go see this. Now, this being said, this was pretty much the only superhero movie released this year. Um, so it didn't really have much to, to go up against uh, in terms of like, you know, previous years with like Endgame or, uh, even, uh, other, uh, uh, DC films or anything like that, or no Marvel films really at all. Uh, you know, so, I don't know. Uh, it was kind of the only thing we had this year for those of you wanting to scratch that brand new superhero uh, film itch. So uh, um, check it out. It's streaming on HBO Max for those of you that have it and as well as in theaters for those of you that are able to go to theaters because you have uh, low coronavirus numbers. So thanks for joining me, everyone. Uh, if you want, you can follow me on Twitter at TheMichaelFight, uh, also on Instagram at JustMichaelFight. Uh, and uh, definitely check out NightShiftRadio.com for more information and don't forget to subscribe. Thanks a lot, everyone. We will see you Wednesday.